0: yo welcome to another episode of big facts podcast it's your host Marcus Williams with the boy Devin Jackson Yo, Dev man another crazy week of college football College football playoff rankings just came out. So this is a reaction to that. Amen. But first off, man, how's your day been going, man?
1: How was your weekend? Can can we skip my weekend? Because <laughs> I don't think I enjoyed anything about it. <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say is overtime. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, other than Two that, point I like, Yeah, I, I feel like that's short and sweet. Overtime. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we got a lot of questions to answer, a lot of a lot of things to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into it, man. How about you? What was your weekend like? Hey, man, my weekend.
0: She's hey, fifty-two points, FCS, damn hot seat. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's essentially the top three things right now. So she's like, uh, I'm in the same boat as you, but you know the difference between me and you, program wise, is you have a first-year coach. My coach is in year four, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, college football playoff rankings, man. So first off, top seven stays the same. Mich- uh, you know, Georgia's unanimous number one. You got Alabama at two, Oregon at three, Ohio State at four, Cincinnati at five, Michigan at six, and Michigan State at seven. OU after their loss to Baylor which honestly man that loss was Baylor essentially man they they controlled the game you know that line of scrimmage they made sure they pressured OU's quarterbacks whoever was in the game whether it was Caleb Williams the freshman or Spencer Adler when he came back in running game really wasn't you know
1: what Oklahoma wanted it to be and yeah man they got roughed up yeah, I said the same thing. The one thing I did notice, though, uh, Kayla Williams at the start of the game wasn't very in the rhythm. Uh, you saw a lot of his throws weren't very on, tar- weren't on target. He missed a good couple of throws that, if you saw in his past couple games, he's been hitting. But with pressure on him, he starts to get a little bit of that pressure on and get a little bit of happy feet. Those throws start to go a little low, go a little high, maybe even you know over. <laughs> over into a defender's hands every once in a while. So you definitely see – I think they kind of showed a couple of the weaknesses in the Oklahoma defense – on the Oklahoma offense. Oklahoma defense, we thought this team was really good against the run. I'm not going to lie. This team has usually been pretty stout in that second half. Um, they couldn't ha- – they didn't have an answer for the QB run. Uh, Bo, uh, Bo Hannon, Yeah, Bo Hannon. Yeah, Bo Hannon was having his way with that read option. I mean, once they started getting that stretch to the edge – that uh, basically stretched play to the edge. That QB Reid opened up so much for their mm-hmm. offense because as soon as he started pulling that ball, they had nobody on the backside except maybe one linebacker. And if he ma- if he makes the wrong decision, that's at least eight to twelve yards. And he made them pay every time. Even in the in the fourth quarter, you saw both uh, Buffalo Bohanna's biggest runs and one leading to a touchdown were reads reads from setup. On that stretch play, they've been running all game and all third quarter, all second quarter, all first quarter. They've been basically pounding that play into Oklahoma State with well, Oklahoma's head. And Baylor finally just said, "Hey, this time pull it." And when he pulled it, it was for big money. So uh, we'll see how they rebound these couple, these next couple of well, this next week. I think it's against Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken. So no, I think that's the last game of the okay, season. So, I think, you know, yeah, they got uh, Iowa State this, yeah, this week.
0: Honestly, though, yo, shout out to Baylor and honestly, shout out to Baylor's coach. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, something that we're gonna be talking about later on, though. But guy went from, you know, D coordinator LSU coming to Baylor last season during the COVID season, not really having that good of a year. But in his first, you know, full season where you get the off season, you get the spring, you get the summer workouts where it's not interrupted. And he has Baylor as a you know ranked in the top 15 of the college football playoff at eight and two. And honestly, you know, potentially of having a double digit win season, which is something that we haven't seen Baylor do in a few years. So shout out to Dave Aranda, you know, definitely one of the up and coming coaches that a lot of people will be trying to get, um, you know, him to come to their school with all the firings that they've had this season
1: already, especially at a lot of high profile programs. But I will say this, the one thing I will say, the one slide I had against him was kicking that field goal at the end of the game. You could have just needed and sent the, sent the game over. The game was over. You you won the game. Hey look, you, you gotta, gotta make, make a field. statement. You gotta make a statement. But the state now if you're facing the big twelve champion, just know Oklahoma's gonna remember this moment. I, that's, well, a, we're, we're that's the on. thing
0: though i don't i don't even think they're gonna make the big 12 championship because oklahoma state has to lose both of their games and then oklahoma also has to lose another game yeah so that you know but you know it could happen not not to say that it can because you know if oklahoma state wins out then technically it will be oklahoma state versus baylor because they would both have two losses and baylor would have the tiebreaker so you know, but it's just if Oklahoma was to win out, then it's like okay, well Baylor wouldn't be able to get in because the the head to head against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State has the the head to head. So, but yeah, you know, hey, we'll see. Maybe, maybe OU and Baylor have that rematch in the Big Twelve Championship, and like you said, Oklahoma will remember that. Um, another game that was really good: um, Ole Miss and Texas A and M. You know, big matchup in the SEC, Ole Miss prevailed. And honestly, you know, Ole Miss dominated in the first half. Texas A&M kind of came back in the second half, but Ole Miss pulled it away in the fourth quarter. Um, Yeah, Lane Kiffin is definitely going to be a guy that people are going to – people are going to wonder if he's going to jump ship as well because of what he's done with the Ole Miss program and Matt Corral – I mean, Matt Corral was already a good quarterback, but he's just kind of put him onto that next level. And we all know Lane Kiffin to be an offensive guru even from before, you know, his Alabama days, whether he was at USC and things of that nature. So, yeah, like I think he'll definitely be a huge, you know, presence in the offseason in terms of like we said with Dave Miranda, other, you know, high-profile Programs, whether it's in the SEC, Pac-12, wherever, they're going to want to at least see and gauge what Lane Kiffin, you know, his interest in leaving the Ole Miss program. But they they have him on a roll. I mean, shoot, Baylor. Both Baylor and Ole Miss are eight and two, both back to back, eleven and twelve, respectively, in the college football playoff. And obviously, they're not teams that we believe are going to make the playoff or even make. Um really that top four consideration or even top six. But it's still, you know, they're they're good football teams that have came back from a lot from last season, especially with having losing records that they had last season. So Devin, with the college football playoff coming out and you see the rankings, man, the top ten, what'd you think about the rankings today?
1: Uh, they're exactly where they need to be. Um, I don't have any, any gripes. Cincinnati hasn't had a great game or a great game since they, since they got what the considerate the the good win against Notre Dame. They haven't had a blowout game since. Um, so that kind of puts them in a situation where they're like, well, we don't know what kind of Cincinnati we're going to get because every game they play ever since then, they've been down in the half and then having fourth quarter third and fourth quarter finally put it together and, and beat the team. Um oh well, I you. think
0: I think the um well Cincinnati they did like after the win against Notre Dame, they did have two good dominating wins, but the past three games have yeah. been closer than expected, yeah. Um
1: UGA is obviously as expected, number one defensive nation. They don't get they don't score teams don't score often against them. They play they play to their strengths. Alabama, they just been playing to their strengths, making sure that hey, we don't have another mess up. Oregon, Oregon's been Oregon. They're they're the only one in the Pac-12 that actually looks like they figure out what they need to do to win. Uh, Ohio State, the test will tell in these next couple weeks because they have yep, for sure. they have two games still that two top ten matchups. Yeah, two top ten matchups that could put them in a in a bad situation. We already went over Cincinnati. I like Michigan where they are. I like Michigan State where they are because again, those matchups are going to play themselves out. Uh-huh. The team that I'm really like kind of wince at it right now because I'm kind of like what happens if they actually do win out is Oklahoma State. Uh, the reason why I say this, they have played well. Now you could say the, the the opponents that they face aren't aren't very aren't very good, but these they beat Baylor, which is a good win. top top 15 opponent in in the rankings. If they beat Oklahoma, they got a consideration. I'm not saying they're going to make it, but they definitely had a bid. They definitely have a bid. Uh, I don't think they're going to make it, though, but that's definitely my uh, that's definitely a dark horse bid. Second dark horse bid would probably be Notre Dame, just because ever since the loss to Cincinnati, they've been showing them, they've been showing people, hey, we're not no slops. We just had a bad game, but I still think that Cincinnati loss kills them, so I don't think they're going to make it because Cincinnati's still undefeated. Um, other than that, everything else in the ranking looks fine to me. To be honest, uh, when it comes to at least the top ten, top fifteen, the only one I'm kind of like Ugh, over is the is the Texas A&M and Wisconsin. I think Texas A&M should honestly still be ahead of Wisconsin. I think Texas A&M's losses are are, are premium losses. These are, these are teams that are actually, you know. On the lead, high on the leaderboard. So, I don't think they should be counted against. They shouldn't be counted too hard against what their losses are. That's just okay. What What about you, man?
0: Yeah. So, to, to be honest, man, I mean, yeah, like you said, everything pretty much checks out with me. I mean, you know, last week people said, well, you know, the head to head for Michigan and Michigan State. Obviously, Michigan State beat Michigan, so they should be ahead of Michigan, even though you know, their loss is worse than Michigan's loss because technically, you know, Michigan controlled the game for the most part against Michigan State until the fourth quarter. And, you know, Michigan State lost to the um, Purdue team pretty convincingly. So, you know, that, that that one is, you know, just depends on what you feel is, like, a stronger case. Like, the, the worst loss or the head-to-head me, I'd go with the head-to-head just because if I beat you, I feel like I should be ranked ahead of you. That's true. Especially if our resumes are so close. But, you know, like we said already, their schedules will play out. So these things, we'll we'll know what these teams are going to be going forward. Um, I'm actually really curious about how things will play out with Notre Dame and even, as you said, Oklahoma State because Oregon has a tough matchup at Utah this up com- this upcoming week mm-hmm. and I feel like that could be a really big trap game for them so knowing that it's like okay well if Oregon was to lose let's just say Oregon was to lose before they hit the Pac-12 championship then Ohio State wins out and then Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship that takes Alabama and Oregon out the race. Conceivably out of the college football playoff. So if that's the case, and Michigan and Michigan State would have two losses at least. So it's like it takes them out the playoff. Now you're looking at a Georgia and Ohio State with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And now you have to choose between a Notre Dame or Oklahoma State if they went out. And I'm wondering if the committee will – will they go with Notre Dame on that front just because Notre Dame's only loss would be to a team in the college football playoff? Or will they go with Oklahoma State, who, you know, they're the Big 12 champions – but their losses to an unranked Iowa State team, it's like.
1: <laughs> so the only, but the only win Notre Dame has as credible as Wisconsin. I mean, It's the only credible but, but win is with the ranking. It, it, that we it, have. Right right that's now.
0: the thing, though. You know, obviously Notre Dame was ranked ahead. You know, already of Oklahoma State, so they just kind of had that benefit of the doubt of being ahead. And yeah, like you said, like you know, they don't really have the great wins. You know, I mean, you could call Purdue a good win because Purdue obviously has beaten two top 10 Big Ten teams. That's sure. You could say, obviously, like we said, Wisconsin is already a ranked team. You know, North Carolina was supposed to be a really good win, but, you know, North Carolina is barely sitting at 500 right now. Virginia is a team that is, you know, I think they're six and four right now, but the ACC is just a bad conference in general. So not a lot of people are taking too much stock into that. Mm-hmm. And obviously USC is down in the Pac twelve, so
1: it's a uh, it's a tough
0: yeah Northern, like <laughs> so and, and this is where the committee would have to say okay like do we value teams that did that don't have a bad loss. They have a good loss because it's against Cincinnati who is in the college football playoff. If that was to work out and then Oklahoma state obviously would have the bad loss against Iowa state, but they have the good wins against Oklahoma and Baylor. And, you know, they go to the big 10 champion. I mean, big Twelve championship. They would also, you know, if they win that. Then technically they would have another win, even though it'd be against a team that they played already. Um, yeah, it would be, be interesting how they would see who would go. And honestly, what would really be – it would blow my mind is if they had – if these teams won out and they had Oklahoma State and Notre Dame going over Cincinnati. Though I don't think that would happen because Cincinnati has the head-to-head over Notre Dame. But yeah,
1: that's the only reason I would say Cincinnati gets the bid. At that point, mm-hmm. Cincinnati has to get the bid because you have the only win over the teams that can contend for the title. like contending yeah. the playoffs. The only one they don't have a win over is Oklahoma State, but I don't think Oklahoma State has direct Oklahoma State and Cincinnati's resume kind of match up. You have and one and one. I think and I think with like the difference between OU and Oklahoma State
0: is OU just hasn't had the eye test where it's like okay, like that team is a really good team. They've had the wins, which has kept them into the top 10, Mm -hmm. but their wins were always, you know, one possession game. So you're just like, this team isn't what they're projected to be. Therefore, they were never ranked high. And then after losing to Baylor last weekend, you're just like, oh, okay, well now they're not even in the top 10. So they don't even have, you know, the cachet or the ability To say oh we can jump From 13 into the top Four like I just don't see that happening Even though they're one of the few teams With one
1: loss outside Of the top 10 of the college football playoff most definitely, it's just tough. It's going to be tough in these next couple of weeks because we're going to literally see the the rankings change drastically in these next two weeks. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great football to watch. Great, we're gonna have two great episodes to be able to broadcast and pod pod on. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yo, so you know
0: what that I'm thinking about now is when we talk about conference championships. I think Cincinnati will be able to. Well, let me not say will. They might be able to add another top 25 team on their resume because Houston is 9-1 and right now. And if they went out and go 11-1 and and it's an 11-1 and Houston against a 12-0 and Cincinnati 11-2. in the American Conference championship, that might just be something where they can hold their hat of saying, we belong in the college football playoff. Because not only did we have the good win against Notre Dame, but we had another top 25 win over a team, you know, in our in our conference championship. And Houston right now is ranked 24. So I'm pretty sure if they keep winning, they'll be a top 20 team depending on, you know, who loses and, and, and things of that nature in the next two weeks. But, yeah, they could be a top 20 team by the time – Conference championships roll around, and their only loss
1: was the first game of the season against Texas Tech. So, so can I? I'll ask you this: Do you feel like the Heisman race has changed a little bit going into this next week? Or do you feel like it stayed the same? To be honest,
0: I think the Heisman leader right now is Bryce Young. Okay, you know he's just he he's the leader right now. I think Kenneth Walker will be the leader if they beat Ohio State. Or he just plays really well against Ohio State, but and which I think is run. possible because I think Ohio State's you know weakness in, in run defense—they've shown it you know throughout the season. It hasn't been obviously every game, but they've definitely shown they have a propensity to give up the run. That's so if that's the case, you know I think I think they can they can make something happen with that.
1: I'm still sticking with my dark horse. I still think my guy Kenny Pickett. He got a chance. Uh,
0: so a I just of- don't think. I don't, I don't think he has like. <clears throat> you can call his Heisman moment against Clemson, and I can understand that. But other like what matchups? Like the matchups. He doesn't have that that game breaking matchup because after they beat Clemson, they lost to Miami. Yeah. So it's like you know, but. I think Kenny Pickett, he definitely deserves to be in the discussion for sure, but I just don't think he'll win because he hasn't had that great matchup where he won because the ACC is just down.
1: Again, that's a dark horse for me. I, I say the same. Uh, I'm going to go with Bryce Young. Kenneth Murray won B right behind him. I think, if he like you said, if he has a big game against Ohio State. That's going to be the big decisive moment. Uh, that mm-hmm. game right there is going to decide a lot because he had a he had his Heisman moment against uh, Michigan. Yeah, he did five touchdowns, unbelievable performance. But now you're in a position since you lost to Purdue, they, where you don't have that. I'm undefeated and I'm playing great season under your belt anymore. So now it's to the point where you have to. You gave this guy that was that's at, that's at Alabama a Second shot of being back in, excuse me. You gave him a second shot now. Uh, I think if, if Michigan State still undefeated, it's hands down Kenneth Walker. But now that the fact that you're both you're in the same boat, it's kind of hard to not put that guy from Alabama back in the conversation. Uh, even the, even uh, CJ Stroud, I'll even say he's right there, one C, if you really want to be honest. He is he isn't having like yeah. you know 60 touchdown season, like you know, T. <laughs> I mean, uh, or is it RT Barrett or not RT, uh, RJ Barrett? <laughs> No, JT Barrett. JT Barrett. Um, but yeah, he, still.
0: So, so right now, right now, CJ Stroud, he's on pace to throw for 40 touchdowns and he missed a game. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, dude's been on fire ever since the Oregon game and, and he's played, he played well against Penn State. You know, the, the like we said, the two ranked matchups against Michigan State and Michigan these next two weeks. To really put him on the map as being a guy that just overtakes the Heisman race, so yeah, I can see that for sure. For sure. Let's go, Kenny Pickett.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah if, if Kenny Pickett won the Heisman, whoever put any type of bet on Kenny Pickett winning the Heisman in the preseason, the amount of money they'd win would be insane.
1: Yeah, that's that's
0: gonna be a a good, a good lump sum. Well, yeah, for hell yeah, sheesh. It's like it's like when if someone picked Johnny Manziel to win the Heisman, nobody even knew who he was until exactly. he won it, or RG three, nobody knew who he was and then he won it, or Lamar Jackson, nobody really knew who he was and he won. It. So that's one of the things about the Heisman race is, man, it's be sometimes people that come out of nowhere to win. Most well, it's definitely. There's nobody so, saw
1: Kenneth Walker being the guy that could Oh no
0: Walker. no, okay, man a whole transfer from Wake Forest and it's just like oh, This I... is what Wake Forest had like, <laughs> just sitting <damn>. there chilling. <laughs> so we have a lot of uh, and this is this is big, a lot of programs right now that are have either already fired their coach or are you know a lot of rumors are they've already you know getting into the point of firing their coach so programs right now that have you know head coaching vacancies that are really big at this moment so we have USC who everybody feels like USC and I I feel this way as well is they're just that like giant like a sleeping giant out west that if somebody could come in and recruit and be a great developer. Like, USC could get back to being the old USC, where if you are on the West Coast and you're a good player, like, you're going to USC. Like It's just aut- almost automatic. It's like being in the Southeast, and it's like, oh, well, man, he'll probably go to Alabama. Like, if he's really good, you're probably going to go to Alabama or Georgia. So, I think that's what USC could be. And. You know, whoever they get at that job, they just need to find that right person that fits their culture, that can turn things around. I think Clay Helton was a good guy to get the the ball on the right track, but he just wasn't the long-term answer, which, you know, now he's at Georgia Southern, so Hell Southern. Good old
1: Clay Helton down down at Statesboro, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A team I like, but they have a head coach – Dropping down is uh, LSU. Edward Osh- mm-hmm. yeah you, you know, he's doing his, he's stepping down after this season. I think the, the athletes and the, just the, just the environment of Death Valley gives you a new. Well, it's so easy to recruit at LSU. Like, exactly.
0: It is because, for one, you know that you're going to get a lot of the top kids out of Louisiana Arizona. to begin with. And then not only that, but it's like you have the cachet to go to Florida, go to Georgia, go to Texas, and get good kids. Mm-hmm. Because especially at LSU, like, you are the premier school of the state. You're not sharing anything. Exactly. So it's like, yo, when you go to LSU, you know. Because the Raging
1: Cajun ain't got
0: nothing on y'all. Listen. Ain't no <laughs> Cajun, no Louisiana Tech, no none of that. So it's yeah. like, yeah, definitely LSU is, is a top job. And we've seen – the LSU, the their past three head coaches have all won a national championship. That's true. That's how many? True. How many schools can say that? And you know, nobody really thinks about it like that because LSU is one of those schools that you know, honestly, ever since Les Miles left, it's always it's kind of been you know an up and down thing with LSU. Mm-hmm. Even you know at the end of Les Miles' tenure, it was up and down, but for a while he had that program as a perennial you know top fifteen, top 20 team yeah so you know you you get to that point and you're just like man like if if you can just get somebody that's stable like lsu is definitely a top 10 if not top five job in the country now another another school that is a possibility. And this is, and this is kind of going with LSU is you see, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. I've seen a lot of stuff on, you know, message boards for college football for LSU and Oklahoma and stuff. And even some other schools that I've seen is Lincoln and Riley Mm. is on the, is on the seat of taking LSU, the LSU job and honestly, like that, not only would that leave a big gap in you know Oklahoma as a head coach, because I think you know o, OU, it's easy to it's easy to it's easy to recruit at OU because they've been such a you know power for so long, especially in the Big Twelve. And knowing that you're going to the SEC, but it's just like it's also it's just like man, like a guy like Lincoln Riley saying you know what i've had so much success at ou but i'm just not feeling it anymore i'm gonna go to lsu and i think that would be a crazy good get for lsu just because offensively you know okay well offensively we know we're getting a guy that can put some points on the board and you know as they say develop quarterbacks even though you know spencer rattler is kind of iffy but i always think spencer rattler has been a you know he's been a good quarterback it's just that he didn't meet the expectations of what everybody had set out for him because of the fact that, oh, well, you're supposed to be in the Heisman, but you're not really putting up Heisman numbers in an offense where OU is, you know, predicted to put up numbers on numbers on numbers. But I think there's a lot of other things that went into that. And so, you know, that's just kind of that. But at the same time, if LSU was to, to grab Lincoln Riley, then it's like, oh, well, who's going to go to OU? And then from there, it's like, well, you might get a guy that's also at a Power 5 program that's like, oh, man, Ella, the OU job is open. I'm going to jump ship and go to OU. So that can be a crazy good, you know, this whole offseason can be like one of the craziest off seasons in terms of, you know, high-profile coaches either moving – and you know high-profile programs trying to get in this coaching carousel that could really shake up college football.
1: I'm gonna throw a sleeper out there, and I'm not saying it's a sleeper like they're gonna be national, they're national championship bound, but it's a great stepping stone to if you want to get your name out there and your name put in the put in the books as a guy who could lead a a top D1 school, TCU. Uh, Gary Patterson, it might not be the, you know the number one school on you know a five star recruit from Texas's list, but definitely TCU always has one of those teams since Gary Patterson's been there that they always have. They might go one or one year, maybe two years at max when it comes to having like a uh, uh, okay year, but. Ever since they've been in the Big Twelve, they've caused havoc. No matter if it's been you know upsets, you know the Texas upsets to Iowa State upsets to whoever in the conference, and they've always been one, even one of those years. They've been those guys to be like, hey, we're making noise. Who who wants to battle with us? So I think if you're if you're a guy coming out of a let's just say a FBS or a FBS school who who's got the hype around them. I definitely say take a chance. Uh, put you know, it's funny they were
0: saying Deion Sanders was uh, reportedly a candidate for that job, which I think it, it could be it, it could be a good situation because definitely TCU is one of those jobs, like you said, where you know you can be up and like you can be up and down for a few years, but you'll just have those few good years where you you make some noise, and it's one of those jobs that. You know it's in a good place because it's in you know the Dallas, Fort Worth area. So mm-hmm. you know you have that city atmosphere, but also the fact that when you when you look at it, it's not a high profile like job. Whereas like if you go like five hundred one season, everybody's not just like fire. You know exactly. It's not a. It's not a Texas. It's not a Florida. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State like it's not one of those programs where people feel like oh we have to be competing for championships every year you know and I think that's one of those it's a reason why Gary Patterson was able to stay for so long because they knew that you know there's going to be trials and tribulations but they knew Gary Patterson every few years was going to deliver something going to deliver a product worth you know the national you know headlines and things like that. yeah so with that being the case it's like okay cool and I think that's one of the things that you know now in college football it's so hard to find coaches that stay for so long at these mm-hmm. big programs because as soon as something goes wrong like people are wanting to act so quickly and I get it sometimes you know if it's been a, like repeated offenses uh, okay, like they're just not getting the job done. They're not making the right changes. Okay, cool. Like it's it's worth you know getting the axe. But sometimes it's just like okay, well you know maybe they just need a little bit more time because the cupboard was just left so bare when they got there that it takes a while to get things back up and running. Or you can say, well, you know maybe they just had a bad year. But if they can turn some things around, then maybe they can get back to. You know, being what they what they used to. And it's just one of the hard things about college football is knowing, okay, when is the right time to get rid of a coach and when is the right time to give him more time to be able to turn things around, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm going through that right now. So I think right now we're in a situation where what I'm speaking on Texas, at least just to compare to the situation. I feel like right now everybody wants Pete Kukowski fired and all this, like we just lost to Kansas, this that and the fourth. But at the same time I feel like he hasn't had a year or even a full a full a recruiting class to himself. Like this is Tom Herman's recruiting class. Like Steve Sarkisian hasn't even got a chance to get his own recruiting class in. So I, I encourage yeah. everybody just to give him a chance. I know it's his first year in the Big 12 as well, so that's kind of like a big jump, especially – well, not a big jump, but a, a different style of football. So definitely we'll see. I'll give him a pass for this year, but next year if I see the same thing, then we got to start having conversations just a little bit. Not saying we got to have conversations of firing, but conversations like, hey, what do we need to do to help you out? Or what do we need to do to change things?
0: Yeah, and and, that, and that's true because, you know, like you said with the Texas and. Texas, for instance, is you know you have a team where you have a coach that comes in after early signing day is already over Mm -hmm. because before then there's oh well Tom Herman is going to be our coach and then after early signing day oh we're changing coaches you know Mm -hmm. that that's it's hard on a new coach because like okay well I didn't even really get a chance to get the guys that I planned on having and stuff like that so I, I definitely get that. You know, you look at coaches like, you know, like we said previously, Mel Tucker and Dave Aranda, who were first-year head coaches. and Well, not Mel Tucker, but first-year at their respective programs at Michigan State and Baylor. And Mel Tucker has Michigan State in the top ten. You know, Dave Aranda for Baylor has Baylor at ranked number 11. So, yeah, they didn't have great seasons in their first season, and obviously you can blame COVID for that. But, you know, they've been able to once they actually have time and some, you know, team, some teams takes longer than others. But for the most part, I feel like unless the program is just that terrible where there's no progression from year one to year two or three, I say you have to I say you should at least give a coach, you know, a full recruiting class, give them four years, you know, and that's just me. Unless it's just that bad, exactly. but it's like, man, like it just doesn't look like the players are buying in at all.
1: <coughs> Will Muschamp in <laughs> South Carolina. <coughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: look, they, they had a good defense, you know, for the most part for what they recruited. But yeah, that offense, and that's mm-hmm. always been Will Muschamp's thing. And I think that's why he's doing really good at Georgia right now mm-hmm. is the fact
1: that all he has to do is focus on defense. And that's his thing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's his niche. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's his niche. Even at Florida, you know, we always had a top defense, but that mm-hmm. offense was atrocious. Jesus. <laughs> you uh, so, about like,
1: your offense when you get the ball back at the twenty. So, hey, look, I, and, you <laughs> know, even
0: with Will Muschamp at Texas when <laughs> they went to the national championship, and he was what? Defensive coordinator. Like, you know, and, and for a for a Big 12 team, his defenses were good. You know, you had the Earl Thomas's They ran those defenses. So definitely, you know, he knows what to do in coaching defenses. Exactly. You know, just, just giving, giving guys sometimes. And I think that would be one of the underlying factors this year. And uh, of of just like coaching is who goes where that will change college football. Cause it'll, it'll happen, you know, change it. How dramatically, you know, we'll find out. But I think this offseason carousel will definitely change the college football landscape in some way, shape, or form.
1: Do you think uh, Bill O'Brien will leave under Nick Saban after this year? See, oh, man, he's sir. been an NFL coach. Nick, Nick, <laughs>
0: Nick Saban's, man, the, the one thing that makes Nick Saban even more great is he literally has coordinators for like one or two years, and it doesn't matter who the coordinators are. Like, they still just produce. That's true. And a lot of the coordinators are former head coaches, former NFL coaches like Doug Marone, like like you said, Bill O'Brien, like that have been guys that have been in the NFL chair. And, and now it's like, now they just go back to college because Nick Saban just has that cachet where people know okay, if I go under this Nick Saban tree, I know I'm going to get a job somewhere else at some point soon. Like, it's just inevitable. Exactly. It's inevitable. And honestly, like, so, and I'm thinking, I know, like, a job that I'm thinking might open up, but I'm not really sure. It's just kind of iffy because they just fired the athletic director is Miami. And I always do think that, you know, I think any school in Florida, man, like, if you can take control of Florida, you'll be, like... A great team, man. Like, it's just – if you can get the best guys out of Florida and then take a few guys everywhere else, like, and, and develop those guys, that like, you can compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias. The Hurricanes. Were and and, and the hurricanes, that the
1: hurricanes, like The Hurricanes. like Hurricanes.
0: It, it is. And, and that's – but, you know, Miami hasn't had a coach that can deliver on that type of front. Florida State, it's been since Jimbo Fisher since they've had a coach like that. And Florida, it's been since Urban Meyer since we've had a coach like that. That really just takes recruiting to a whole nother level. Like it is it is insane. But you know, that's just kind of what you have to do in Florida. Is you have to be you have to be a great recruiter. Like you have to be somebody that makes those relationships. Cause if not, you know, it's only so much you can do. And I feel like with college football, that's just the biggest thing is if you're not a good recruiter, then it's only so far you can go. It's like, yeah, you can maybe make it to the playoff. Yeah, you know, but winning a championship, a lot of the teams that win championships is because they're the best at recruiting. And that's just kind of that. That's that's just the end all be all, you know. Most definitely. And it's been that way for a long time. And it's just going to keep continuing that way. And it's one thing I'm going on a rant because, you know, that's what Florida struggles at right now is recruiting. Because I'm like, yo, when we clearly had the best team in Florida, we still couldn't recruit because Dan Mullen doesn't like recruiting. But I think hey, it's, tough. You know, it's
1: tough for me. It's tough for me and you. Think about it. We've lost – most counts of Texas because of the fact that we haven't had a stable, a stable, and a stable team in the past. Honestly, y'all have y'all have had one ten win
0: season since two thousand
1: nine. Yeah, so the past what what's that twelve years? Yep. So you can kind of, I can kind of understand, but the thing the different between you and us is y'all have had ten win seasons and we've had a ten win season. Oh yeah, we've had about
0: four four or four, four of them. No, five.
1: I definitely thought when she, yeah. the Cal Tras Cal Pitts era, I definitely thought that was gonna be the year. Yeah, you know, if out. we had a
0: if we had a defense with a pulse that year, we could have won a championship. Like that's how insane. It's it all just not sport. even a
1: championship. I thought the recruit the recruiting side was gonna drag Oh yeah, it should have but Dan Mullen to that yeah. Dan Mullen just
0: isn't he he just doesn't and, and it's 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 funny because it's a lot of. uh Oh, man. Hold on. Here we got the guy. The guy. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. We're going to hold I, on to him. I just came in to say what's up. Oh, okay. That man, Chris. That proved to Jack that I was actually uh, here. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't heard or seen a scene of Chris in so long. Hey, man. Look. Congratulations, bro. Thanks,
1: bro. Oh, hey, <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Um, right now, we just we just basically got into the a little bit of a rant, just about about five seconds. We were talking about uh the top twenty five, well, the top really ten, and then we went on to basically the new coaching vacancies <laughs> that are coming up. Um, we were looking at LSU, we looking at TCU, um, USC, all USC, the high profile
0: programs, and you know. Um, which I was actually just about to say, what if Oregon's Mario Cristobal left Oregon to go to one of these schools? Like, I think I think that would be – Big time. Especially if he went to Miami. Oh, that's Because I think that since he's – you know, he is a mm-hmm. Miami alum, he's been under Nick Saban, so he knows how to recruit. Because Oregon was a top-10 class last year, so just think what he can do in South Florida – and he's known that he can develop guys like
1: that. Yeah. Might be
0: if it. He might be that something. staff
1: down there. They're going to be an issue. I mean, even this year you saw he recruited Justin Flow, um, top linebacker in the nation. Yeah, Kwan like Thibodeau. Yeah, Kwan Thibodeau is a is a like, monster. They, they get guys. <laughs> yeah, they, they get, get guys. guys.
0: He's a monster. So, yeah, so I mean, you put that in South Florida and all them kids in South Florida, like he might he might do something that. <laughs> you haven't seen a Florida coach at any of the big three schools do in a long time. And that's continually have, you know, top five, top 10 classes. And the question is
1: for those guys, he, he recruited, do you hit the transfer portal if he leaves? Cause if you, no. get, the wrong, if you get the wrong coach at Oregon, Oregon's not going to run the same. Well, yeah, but, but
0: the only reason why I say that is, um, <sighs> Oregon, it, it would be hard to mess up Oregon. It can be done, but it would be hard to mess up just because you're in the Pac-12. And the competition that you're facing isn't, the, isn't what's like – your talent beats their talent. That's true. So it's just like all you have to do is just be able to keep the thing running. Just kind of like, you know, Ohio State – and OU, when it comes to them and their con- their respective conferences, they haven't felt falling off no matter who the coach is, because they know that okay, as long as I can just keep the train moving, like I don't have to, you just you don't have to do anything else, just keep exactly. it moving, and and you're good. So yeah, so it, it would be hard for Oregon to fall off. Like maybe they're not, you know, playoff worthy. Maybe. Depends on what coach they get. But in terms of just, like, being always competitive, they'll definitely be that guy.
1: I, I, yeah. I'm, letting you, I'm letting you know now. They're going to they're gonna go over there and get Ed O's you going to hit Go Ducks. <laughs> hey, oh, my
0: God. I, I don't think Ed O is getting another Power 5 head coaching job in a long time. Like, that LSU job was his last bit. Because just, just from – What happened at LSU and what they said about how, you know, him bringing women to practice with their kids. And it just seemed like he was on top of the world and nothing could really happen. And then the results on the football field, you're just like, well, damn, it's like the players kinda of stopped believing in him for a little bit. So he got was, he got one of them rings. Yeah, he got hey, look, he got he one got of them rings, rings though. He and and, and rings. that matters. That, that matters, but at the same time, that didn't matter with him uh keeping that job.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well,
0: I don't yeah. know. I I I think uh, you know, obviously aside from the fact that, you know, these next two weeks are crucial, this coaching carousel after the season's over is about to be really crazy and change college football. And obviously I think that, you know, uh, another team that actually uh, got rid of their head coach yesterday was Virginia Tech. And we've seen Virginia that. Tech hasn't been Virginia Tech in a while. Like that Beamer ball that they used to play mm-hmm. back in you know, the 90s, the 2000s and stuff like that is has been long gone for a while. So if they can get back to that and be a true contender in the ACC like they used to be. You know, they, they need the right coach, too. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It, 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 it'll, it'll be a lot. But, yeah, well, uh, man, we, we've been going on for a little minute. So we're going to wrap up this podcast, though. But, hey, look, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google <laughs> Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. A hey, comment, you know, let us know what's up. And, hey, look, we'll be back next week, man. I mean, hey, Jack, Chris, man, hey, y'all keep it easy.
1: Yes, sir.